True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am very excited today. Shannon Ludlow is the guest. Shannon of Fable LLC and the Multifamily Journey podcast. Please check that out. Shannon, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much, Justin. I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and it's awesome that I'm actually a guest. Happy to have you here. Thank you for the shout out and uh, appreciate that very much. Um, So Shannon, you are a flipper, you invest in multifamily, and uh, we recently connected through Instagram of all places and and, uh, love that. I love that you were giving some props out to other multifamily podcasts and I was like, hey, hey, I got one too. <laughs> so we were able to connect that way. Uh, but that's great. You know, you're a connector and you're, you're building relationships between people. And, and I think there's a, a lot of value in that. So uh, first, give, give you kudos for that. Uh, Thank but you. Tell us, tell us a little bit about you, about uh, your investing journey. And, uh, and let's just start there. Sure. I mean, my, my passion for real estate basically started in my early 20s. I looked to, uh, you know, I bought a, a Carlton Sheets, you know, no money down system back in the day when they were on VHS cassettes. <laughs> and that kind of dates me a little nice. bit. But um, I never really did anything with it. It was just a little shady. And some of his tactics were a little outdated. So I didn't, I kind of set that aside. And I actually still have that big box of cassettes in my closet uh, back in North Carolina where my parents live. But transitioning forward about, you know, 15, 20 years. I really put everything that I had in building up my professional career. You know, I went to college, got a bachelor's degree at UNCW, eventually went to University of Florida, got an executive MBA and kind of rose the ranks in my W-2. And then I, I just decided, you know what, I'm making enough money and I want to try and invest in real estate and kind of fulfill some of those um, uncharted waters, so to speak. And that's exactly what I did. So I started flipping properties on the side, one by one, conservatively. And then my wife and I um, found out that we were going to be pregnant, which was a blessing because we've been trying for a long time. And God had a plan for us. And, you know, in the middle of the whole flipping deal, it just was taking up way too much of my time. And I can't envision being, you know, a, a present father with my family and my wife and doing this actively. And so that's when I started to pursue other avenues in real estate investing but I didn't want to be a landlord either because that's really another job. And listening to all these other multifamily syndicators, they all kind of had the same story where they start with the single family rental route and then they eventually get into syndications or multifamily somehow. So I wanted to go ahead and skip that whole landlord business and just go right into passive multifamily investing. That's exactly what I've done. So right now I'm in two deals looking at my third and actively looking for a fourth. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you're you're absolutely right because you are coming from the perspective of I love my job. You told me that before we got on the on the air. You love your job. Uh, you're what do you do, by the way? Yeah, I'm in homeowners insurance. I run okay. a large division for a top twenty five insurance company. Great. So you're so you're happy there. You're making money. And why why bother being a landlord, right? You wanted to to just skip a few steps. I love it. 
um, I'm all about, you know, figuring out your niche and what works for you because what works for, for everyone else can't work for you and everyone has to have their own path. So um, that's great. So you're a multifamily investor now, uh, but let's, let's talk about that transition point because you, you had a point where you were having a kid and now you've got uh, a decision to make. So talk to, talk about a little bit about that realization of, you know, where you're spending your time and energy and the flipping and, and how you came to the decision that you need to get away from that. Absolutely. So for me, I'm very much hands-on in my W-2 job. I mean, I'm almost a little micromanager. So in my flipping, I'm, I'm not one of these guys where I'm going to outsource everything and just trust that they're going to look out for my investment. So I'm actively going to the job sites. I'm looking at the building materials that my guys are installing, making sure that things are done properly the way that I expect to do. And so that takes a lot of my personal time. And again, this is something that I do on the side. I still have a very busy W-2. So knowing that I'm going to have, you know, knowing that I'm going to be a new father, you know, I just can't foresee myself scaling my flipping business because that's just not my personality. And I really, you know, it's the whole Gary Vee thing, Justin, you know, self-awareness, you know, you really got to be honest with yourself. What do I want to do with the time that God has given me left in my life? And so I did want to get into real estate investing, but, you know, you know, buying a whole bunch of single family rentals and then renovating them, uh, getting the find, uh, finding the funding for it, you know, getting a tenant in there, refinancing and then repeating, you know, the whole Burr method. I'm going to need 40 of those things, you know, to, well, actually probably 50 of those things to duplicate what I'm making in my W-2. And that's going to be a whole new set of headaches. So for me, it just was a natural pivot point for me to say, you know what, you have self-awareness, you want to do real estate. It's a passion that you have. What can you get into? And that's when I started researching multifamily syndications. Uh, um, originally, I wanted to be a syndicator, but then again, I don't trust myself enough where I'm doing it half-heartedly. Anything that I do in my life, I do 100%. So when I look to invest my money in, with a GP group, I want to know that they're not also a W-2 like me and doing this on the side. I want to know that they're managing that asset 100%. They've got my best interest at heart. They're not going to lose, number one, my capital, but number two, they're going to make me a return and they can make good on the business plan. They can execute. And I really don't believe that you can execute that way. Um, you know, if you've got a W-2 and then you kind of just do it passively on the side as a GP. That's so from a passive investor standpoint, those are some of the things that I look for when I look to invest in multifamily um, deals so far. And so it's been, it's been a wild ride. It's been a very quick transition into the passive investing space, but it's something that I'm really looking forward to continuing. Well, Shannon, you hit the nail on the head as far as the essence of this show, which is to share all the, everything that goes into the asset management and running the business of these apartment complexes, because that's really my mission is to tell people that it is a business and it, and it does require full-time dedication. And we show the highs and the lows and we show the real stories about that because uh, it, I think there's a, a gap in, in the podcast space and, and in real estate education in general in that either you buy these properties and you have, you pop the champagne and, and everyone's excited and happy. But as you know, uh, a lot goes into it. So I'd love to hear then as, so, so you had that inflection point and you decided I, I'm not going to flip uh, as much or, or be as involved. I need to re, rebalance my time and multifamily syndication seems to be the way to go. How do you, first evaluate a syndication or a syndicator? Like what are you looking for in, in an operator that, that said, or is it just deal-based? Can you just talk about how you're evaluating where to, where to place your money? 
Great question, Justin. Um, for me personally, you know, I've done a lot of research. First, it took it took me being familiar with the terminologies, the calculations, the you know, all these different things, and also self education, because this is not something you jump into at all, in my personal opinion. So I start with the GP group. Who are they? Have they been full cycle uh, on a couple of deals? Um, again, like I mentioned earlier, are, is this their full time uh, profession? Or are they doing this on the side? Also looking at the areas that they invest in, does that meet my criteria? I like the Sun Belt. Um, I personally live in Tampa, Florida, and the the laws here for landlords is very favorable. You can kind of, you know, kick people out. I mean, obviously right now with the whole COVID thing, you know, HUD kind of put a stop to that. Uh, but after that passes, you know, you know, I want to invest in states that are very favorable to landlords. But it all starts with the GP group. Now, I will still invest in a GP group if they haven't been full cycle on a couple of deals based upon character, based upon my connection with them. Because once you invest in a deal, you're trusting that that person is going to manage that asset and execute the business plan properly. And you're also entering into a second marriage, right? (laughs) I mean, it could be either a three to five to 10 year hold. And my very first deal was actually a 10 year hold. And so what I did is I started to research syndicators. I, you know, after I got through some education, you know, like everybody else, I bought this big brick of a book, you know, the best ever Absolutely. syndication book. Everybody has got it. Everybody knows what it is. It's like the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it allowed me to see things through the GP side and what's important to them. And then it allowed me to kind of uh, evaluate deals. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert at underwriting. I'm not. But I do look for some things when I look at deals. I want to see that they're not being overly aggressive with their, uh, their rent increases year over year, especially in the first three years. Also want to make sure that they're being conservative on their exit cap rate. The reversion cap rate is probably worse than what you enter into because the reality is, Justin, nobody really knows what the, the financial markets and the world's going to be like in five years of course. Or, or 10. You just right. don't know. And so what I've done to, you know, outside of that, I think even more so than the deal really is, honestly, the GP group. I'll give you an example. You could have the very best class A asset on Rodeo Drive in California, and it's a home run, right? But you've got people that are laissez-faire, that are not managing that asset properly. They can't execute the business plan. It's for them, they think that being a GP is a passive investment, which it really shouldn't be. And they're not giving their full attention and they're not increasing rents. They're not managing uh, the property manager properly. And then next thing you know, oh, we have a capital call. Mm. And then you give more money to this, this uh, you know, inadequate GP group. And then eventually they lose the deal and you lose all of your investments. But you had a, you had a winner. You had a class A winner right in a prime location. So it's, you know, the deal can only get you so far, but it really is the character and the makeup of the people that are on the GP group, the people that are watching over my hard, my hard earned money, because you've got a lot of limited partners like me that are out there that are doctors, engineers, MBAs like I am, you know, they're hardworking professionals. They don't have time to actively invest in real estate. They've saved up their money. They've not gone on the vacations. They haven't bought the expensive house. They've, they've basically uh, sacrificed to give somebody else this harder money. And if they're not a trustworthy person, um, group, right? Then you're kind of taking a gamble. And so for me, you know, just the way that I vet them, I have multiple conversations. 
I ask them about their deals. I ask tough questions. I ask them if I can run a background check on them. If they hesitate at any way, shape or form, then that's kind of a red flag to ask some additional questions. Sure. I also look at their digital footprint as well, which I think is important. What are they putting out to the world? Because whatever they put out on social media, YouTube, if they have a podcast, I check it out. And in some circumstances, they don't have a whole lot. For instance, the first deal that I got into, uh, this, this group didn't have a whole lot out there. But for me, it was more about the, the interactions every single time that I spoke with them, letting them know that I'm a cash flow passive investor. I like the upside potential on some deals, but I really care about, you know, those distributions, man. I want to see some money coming back to me. And that's what I'm most concerned about. So hopefully that answers your question. I, I was taking copious notes because uh, that really is the textbook uh, for, for our listeners who are multifamily operators. Um, please go back and listen to that again. I will as well because there's so much great, great information in there. The phrase that stood out most to me was digital footprint. Actually, two, two but the first one is digital footprint. Um, I would love for you to expand on that because I think it's something that people don't uh, are not as intentional about as they should be. Um, I've taken care to to try to make my digital footprint as clean as as I want it to be. But you know, even going back, like uh, Facebook posts from you know when I was in in college or just out of college or something, it's like you need to clean that up because um, someone like Shannon might be evaluating me and might want to go back and dig through eight years of Facebook posts or whatever. And, and you, you don't know, you know, what's your Twitter feed? Like you always see all these people coming out with, you know, these old tweets that are, are getting them in all kinds of trouble, but talk to me about, you know, what, how do you start that? What, what are you looking for in a digital footprint? Do I need to go back and clean up that drunken picture from 10 years ago? I mean, just, you know, t give us a little insight into that. Sure. Awesome. So yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely important. So if I'm going to invest in someone's deal, I want to see their best, uh, I guess their best face to the world that they're offering, you know, the world, right? Like what are they trying to project? What do they want people to see? Are they actually taking time, you know, posting things that make sense that, uh, that offer education or do they kind of just jumble their syndication efforts into their personal Instagram page, which I see a lot of, or if they start a podcast, they kind of just blend it into their, their personal uh, Instagram account or Facebook account or Twitter account, et cetera. So I try, I try to look at, at this as a business because ultimately this is a business. I don't want to have to look at somebody's Instagram account and see them partying with their friends on the weekend. Listen, we all know that happens. You know, we're human beings and get that. But for instance, let's just take you, Justin, for example. I like, and I've done the, actual, the, the exact same thing as you did. When you started your podcast, you didn't keep it going underneath your personal uh, account. You created a separate account on Instagram right. yep. and it's a very, very polished look, my friend. Thank uh, you. It's very clean. I love, I love the amount of time that you spent, whether you use Canva or you outsource the digital content creation, but it's a very professional look. That says a lot uh, to me as a limited partner investor looking to passively invest in your deals to know that you're a detail-oriented person and appearances matter. So I can take some of those takeaways, those nuggets, and know that that's who you are when I give you my money and you're going to manage this asset and you're going to be looking at those details, trying to be professional and running this as a business because ultimately this is what it is. So if I see, again, you know, people that are integrating their personal accounts with, um, you know, their business, it, it just kind of is a turnoff to me.
so so smart and and such great insight into how um, someone looks at it. And and uh, I'll just say for the audience, you know, that's that's Shannon's opinions. Other people might want to see uh, you, you know, hanging out with your friends and, and get a sense of who you are as a person as well. And so so uh, to your point, Shannon, I have uh, the True Multifamily Instagram, and then I have my Justin. Fraser, which has some real estate on it, but also has me smoking ribs and hanging out with the kids and, and things like that as well. So I feel like I offer both flavors, but I also don't, I'm, I'm cautious about what I post and I'm deliberate about what I post, even on my personal uh, Facebook page and my personal Instagram, because I know that at some point someone's going to be evaluating me and looking at me. Well, I think amazing, <laughs> really, really good stuff. The other thing you said is um, that you really want to know that the GP team is dedicated and focused and it's about that team really first, even, you know, the, obviously the deal is very important and you said you want cash flow and distributions. Um, but what are some things that would be besides being, you know, not having another W2 and not, not being focused, but what are some things that a GP team should be doing or what are some characteristics uh, to you of a successful GP team that would make you think I want to invest with them? Good question. So I'll start with some basic stuff. So if, if you're not doing this right now and you're a GP, then you're not really, you're missing the mark in my personal opinion. So being very responsive. So there's been a couple of GPs that I reached out to where I won't get a response for like 24 hours or 48 hours. And there's others that it doesn't matter who I contact in their group they're getting back to me within 10 minutes or less. That is telling me that they are on it. And no one person is bigger than, than anyone else, right? They treat everybody with respect. And in reality, these GP groups, they can't buy these large assets without LPs like me. So our opinions do matter. On the more professional side, when you send me your marketing package for whatever deal I'm looking to invest in, I want to see that it it's visually stimulating that it looks, looks professional. I don't want to see like bullet point after bullet point after bullet point, right? It, it, I expect it to look professional. This is 2020. Um, if you're spending very little time putting this, this uh, marketing package together, then that's telling me a little bit about how you're going to you know, manage this asset, right? You're not giving it your all. So I kind of take a look at that. And then also the deal analysis, you know, are they really trying to show the whole picture are they giving me sensitivity analysis on the cap rates, the exit cap rate, on what could happen with the rents? If they can't get the rent growth that they predicted, what happens to my internal rate of return and my cash on cash return? A lot of GPs don't like putting that stuff in because they want to paint the best case scenario. So when I see things like that, that tells me that I'm dealing with a fair, honest operator that is just, hey, I got a deal. This is what's going on. We spent a lot of time on this package. Here's what could happen. Here's what we hope is going to happen. And here's worst case scenario. We just want to be, you know, here, here's a heads up. Yeah. And so if I have all those. want to put together, but, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So if I have all those things, you know, to me, I think that makes for a good re recipe for success. Okay, great. And then uh, let's go now after. So you decide to invest with the GP and uh, you're, you're now in it. So let's talk about how as a GP, I can continue to impress you so that you come back uh, for the next deal? Yeah, good question. So I want to make sure that the distributions are happening uh, without a hitch. If there's any delay or let's, and, and here's the thing, you know, when you look at these marketing packages, it's a pro forma, it's best guess as what's going to happen. But the reality is, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. And so yeah. I realized that, you know, when you're executing the business plan, things will go good, things will go bad. 
And it's okay if they go bad. It really is. But don't shy away from it. Loop people in together, have conference calls, or even, you know, this, this day and age, you can record videos and then shoot that out as an email to your investors. That's important. The other thing that I want to see is that I've got an investor portal. I think that's also something that smaller syndicators don't invest money in because they'll just kind of work off spreadsheets and they'll, they'll use email and that's their way of keeping in contact with their, their LPs. I like being able to see all the deals that I've done with a, a general partner, going to a portal, seeing how much I've invested, and then seeing the distributions and tracking it that way. And any additional updates that happen, I think that's a really polished look. And that's a sign of a GP that gets it. 100%. Man, this is like a masterclass. I'm absolutely loving it. And checking a few of those boxes and, and noting, frankly, noting a few a few gaps. So <laughs> uh, no, I, I love it. That's uh, so helpful. Uh, I hope everyone will go back and listen to all of that. Um, you know, we started getting away from the the story aspect, but I had to, I absolutely had to ask you that. And uh, it's so incredibly important. So um, I think we have to end here because we're already over our time. Um, what we're going to do, Shannon, is your information is going to be up on truemultifamily.show, uh, link to your podcast. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your podcast and, and what that's all about? Yeah, thank you for that, Justin. Yes, yeah, so it's a new podcast and it's basically my personal journey from day one, uh, investing passively in multifamily syndications. And I do have guests that come on my show that I interview that I think could add value to my listeners Justin, I really hope that you can join my show soon. I'm, I in fact, I hope, yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to happen too. But, uh, you know, I, I usually see people that have podcasts, they, they basically start their podcast after they already have proof of concept. Wouldn't it be nice if someone starts a podcast when they don't own any multifamily syndications at all, and then they share their entire story? That is exactly what my podcast is about. Amazing. So anyone that listens to my podcast, start from zero, episode zero. And follow along for the ride because I will be 100% transparent on the deals I'm entering without naming the actual syndicators, but talking honestly about what I expect, how it performed, and my strategy as I shift and pivot as the unpredictable future comes at me. That's great. I, I love that. I love the, the the realness to it. And, uh, you know, it seems like it echoes a little bit with, with the realness of, of this show as well. And um, not all about the polish because it's frankly, it's it. That's not, you know, that shiny story that you hear in a lot of podcasts or read in the books is, is just not reality. So I, I love that you're sharing the the ups and downs and ins and outs as you go through it. And, you know, the excitement and, and the energy is there. So really, really great. Um, well, I, I hope and I know you'll be back, uh, Shannon, for another episode. So thank you so much. If you want to hear more about Shannon, it's the Multifamily Journey podcast. And check out show notes with all of his links at truemultifamily.show. Shannon, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Justin. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community. And you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.